Welcome, viewer. For this week's interview, we're with Michelle Plakeman,、uh, and we're talking about Rescue Me, an amazing cops book, maybe EMT. Anyway, I'm gonna let Michelle、uh, speak a bit more about、uh, this one. With my first question, why set a story in Toronto? Okay. So、um, hi everyone, and I grew up in Toronto. So I'm from Toronto, and I spent the majority of my life there. It's pretty much where I've always lived. The last few years, maybe seven years or so, I've lived sort of on the outskirts. But my entire upbringing was in Toronto. And when I was younger, I had an interest in lots of different、um, professions, and police policing was one of them. So I know that a lot of people who write books outside of the states. Write their books. They set them in the states anyway, so that American buyers will be more interested. But I really wanted to highlight everything that I think Toronto has to offer.、Um, growing up there, we kind of, we being a few people, but it's sort of like a mini New York. And I think a lot of people don't understand that about Canada that we have these huge major cities,、um, these metropolitan areas that are also very multicultural and. To use an expression I don't like, but a melting pot. Just sort of everyone comes and moves there, and everyone finds their own groove and their area and their people and their niche.、Um, and that being said, though, there's still a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes where there are still divisions and separations, and some are noticeable and some are not. Some you think to look for, and some you wouldn't. I know a lot of people think Canada is like all one big small town. Um, that's you know way way behind, but but we're not. So showcasing Toronto is one of the major cities of the world. So I really wanted to do that for readers. What was your favorite part of writing the book? Ah,、uh, that's a good question.、Um, let me think about it for a second. You know what? Doing the research was a lot of fun.、Uh, so that was really interesting because I got to learn new things. But to be honest, that probably was not my favorite part because it was pretty grueling having to track down sources and then have them double check things and having to change things if the way I'd originally written it didn't really coincide with the actual protocols.、Um, so my favorite part was actually, I guess, how easily the book flowed,、um, minus the research part, where honestly I just go in and I leave blanks. I say, and then fill in this part later with the scene that would have actually have happened with the police, and then I, I jump forward and I just write the rest of the book. So I, I found the chemistry between the characters in this book was really good, and it like it wrote itself. To be honest, it was it was really easy to write that that part of the book. So that was my favorite part, just how easily it all came、um, and came together. Research was hard, but that was fun. But not my favorite. Is it a bit tricky to get information on like police? Procedure, is that the trickiest part? Yeah. So I was really lucky. I had a lot of resources at the time.、Um, I knew a lot of police. I knew a paramedic.、Uh, my brother is a doctor, so he helped me with the medical stuff. The paramedic helped me with like anything you see, all the terminology, the short forms, the jargon, all of that. I didn't know. I got them to fill those scenes in. Um, with that, so that that was great. The hardest part was getting to higher levels in the police. So protocol with staff sergeants and things like that. I was able to get that through a friend of mine who whose uncle is a retired staff sergeant, and he. I said, "This is the scene. What would be said?" And he went through and just wrote it all out for me, basically, and then I was able to take it and pull it into dialogue. 
Um, so that was difficult. And then as well, the RCMP. So it is impossible to get the RCMP to talk to you. And there's nothing really on their websites. I was fortunate enough that while I was writing the book, I honestly had no idea how I was going to get this information. I went on a trip with a colleague and I started telling her about the book and she happened to have an ex-boyfriend who was RCMP and a roommate who was in the RCMP. So she was getting information from them for me and we were actually talking about it with some clients in earshot. We were in Alberta and one of the clients said, oh wait, what are you talking about? My husband's an RCMP officer. And that's where she gave me all the information about the BAMP office and how it's this great retirement post and everybody dreams of it and all this stuff. So all my information, honestly, it fell into my lap. It just worked out so well. It was serendipitous, just the people I met at the time. Um, and it, I was very fortunate to have all of those sources just available. Did some characters surprise you while you were writing? Yeah, um, I, I didn't know to be. I didn't know who did it until much later into the book, and um, who really surprised me was uh, Henry Hackett, Kristen Bailey's training officer. How he actually like knew about it the whole time. He was actually trying to warn her, and even in his own you know misogynist, racist, unlikable way, deep down in his core, he was not a terrible person. And I kind of like that because he has potential as a as a human being so following up from camille's question um did you how much of the book had you plotted before you started writing none of it so usually um i know some, so some people write by let's say perspiration and some people write by inspiration right so i'm going to sit down i'm going to write a book it's going to be a romance or it's going to be a romantic suspense and this is going to be the plot and these are the characters um, for me, the book just, the way I start writing is I get an idea and a majority of the book will flash sort of in my head. Like I get some scenes and some ideas and then I start writing them out. So I just started writing that book. There was no plotting that took place. And then I was like halfway, three quarters of the way through. And I realized like somebody has to have done this, right? Like who, who's the murderer? How did this happen? So it was at that point after a lot of it had been written that I stopped and said, I have to think through this. And I spoke to a few friends and then I had a conversation with my sister. And uh, so hopefully everyone watching this has, has read the book. But she said to me like, oh, it sounds like the staff sergeant was involved. And I was like, oh, wait, was he? And then I kind of thought about it. And, uh, and that's how I got the plot and involved the son and everything like that. None of that was was planned at all it was put in about three quarters of the way through the first draft if you didn't plan much before writing why did you choose to like put emt against cops honestly i don't know um when i first got the idea for the book it was just a scene in a hallway of a hospital there was a police officer there there was a paramedic who was like coming through those doors that they always show in movies that are like, don't enter, I guess. They're like, yeah, I don't know, ICU or emergency or something. And um, I just saw that scene and I knew that they didn't, they didn't like each other. And there was something going on between the cops and the paramedics. There was some sort of bad blood. And I liked that idea because everybody's always working together. And I realized I've read a lot of books where 
everyone's working together and they all work to solve it, you know, and a lot of shows are like that. And I just thought, well, what if they weren't? What if they were working against each other? How would that make their jobs harder? How would it make the just all of first response? How would it change that in a city? Um, so that, it kind of just built from there. It wasn't like I didn't plan it, but it happened and I really liked it. So I went with it. Do you enjoy reading? Do you have spare time for reading? If so, what kind yeah, of books do you Yeah, actually, I haven't been able to read a lot um, lately. My life's been really busy. I also haven't been writing a lot, which is unfortunate. Um, but reading has always been one of my favorite things. I went to university for English and creative writing. Uh, there was a time where I was reading about six books a week or a few hundred a year. Um, I wish I could get back to that. Right now, it's more like half a dozen a year, which is really unfortunate. Um, but I love reading, and if I were in my actual home, I could show you my library. Um, I have a great collection of books, and I actually collect first edition, um, first printings of my favorite books, most of which are from the 1800s uh, or 1900s, so they're hard to get my hands on because they're all like 100 years old, but I, uh, that's one of my hobbies is collecting rare and antique books. Any favorites? Uh, depends what we're going to talk about, but of those books, of the classics, um, I love Jude the Obscure, Tess the Duberville, so I'm like a big uh, Hardy fan, Oscar Wilde, I like uh, Virginia Woolf is one of my favorites, I was actually fortunate enough to get a few first editions of hers, um, specifically A Room of One's Own, which is a book I read when I was in university that really solidified to me that I wanted to be a writer. So to be able to get a hold of that book in a first edition was amazing. Um, so you love a, a lot of books, and I suppose you have a lot of in, different influence. Um, if you could name one or two, which creator make a big, the biggest impact on you, on your writing? For writers, um, you know what? I'm going to have to go with two of my professors. Uh, because when I went to school for this, the program that I went to at the time was the best and most exclusive writing program in Canada. And it was taught all of the professors were successful Canadian authors. So one of them was Richard Teleke, Um, And he really, really encouraged me and pulled me aside and told me that my writing was different from everyone else's in the class. And he said, you know, like, most people who come through this program, they're not going to end up publishing, but you're the one who will. And that, that stuck with me. And um, I, I ended up reading his books after he was my professor. And I really liked, so one of the things I don't think I'm, I think I'm very strong with dialogue and emotion. I'm not a huge fan of long, lengthy descriptions in books, which is why you won't find them in mine. But that being said, I really felt I needed some work on that. And he writes, his books are basically one long description. Um, and he manages to still keep you interested. So that was a big influence. And I really tried to learn from him how to describe things in a, a way that you could picture them without over-describing and giving too much. And then another um, writer would be Susan Swan, who a lot of people may know because she wrote a book called The Wives of Bath, which was turned into the movie Lost and Delirious which is a Montreal-based Canadian um, LGBT film. So a lot of people would know who she is, but she also, she was very, very successful. And I had her in my last year. She's best friends with Margaret Atwood, by the way, which is cool. But um, 
Yeah, so she gave me a lot of encouragement as well and really made me feel like I could make it as a writer. And that was really helpful, especially because she had, you know, written a book about women that got turned into a, a lesbian film. And I was obviously watching those when I was younger and a, a teenager, right? So um, those were two huge influences on me, both personally and professionally in, in my writing career. And how was it to uh, kind of be the, the editor or the director of other author while you were were at the Dirt World Books? So we all had different roles, actually. Um, I wasn't an editor while I was there. I was a proofreader, which was pretty cool. Cause, so we all basically got together and said, what are our strengths? Um, I had a background in business development and marketing. So... And I also have like a very keen eye for errors when it comes to final proofs. So for anyone who hasn't gone through the publishing process, when you publish a book, you normally work with several editors. And finally, you go through just a proofread with someone who will go through and just catch everything else nobody caught. And usually a couple people take that on. But one of my strengths was being able to read a book I'd already read five times and catch that one missing comma or the apostrophe that's out of place. So that was what I focused on. It was the marketing, uh, relationship building and proofreading, but it was pretty cool to be on that side, to have people contacting you, sending in their manuscripts and just being able to see publishing from the other side of things, which was very eye opening. Um, as, as, so it's funny because I, we started with going into it saying, you know, you feel like you're getting the short end of the stick with royalties a lot of the time. But once you work on the publisher side, you actually realize how much work the publisher is doing as well. And I think that's a perspective that many writers won't or haven't had yet. Um, so that really opened my eyes as well. Like the publisher spends a lot of time and a lot of money getting a book out. So it really showed me what it was like from, from both sides. And I really enjoy that I, I can see things that way now. Um, can we talk new books? So do you have any books in the pipeline and what, what genre are you writing? Okay, so that is an excellent <laughs> question that has a very long answer. Um, I feel like most people would say, oh yeah, I'm working on this book, it's a romance and it'll be out in April. Um, but for me, I'm constantly working on probably somewhere like 15 books, actively working in usually five of them or so. Um, so right. And I, by the way, I don't like to write per genre. So the one thing you'll find across my books is you're probably going to have lesbian main characters or bisexual or something in the LGBT, uh, area, but the genres completely changed. So the ones I'm focusing on right now, um, one of them is sort of like a Victorian mystery that takes place in Toronto, um, in the late 1800s. Another one is a buildings Roman or a, a young adult that takes place in Calgary. Um, well, just outside Calgary in one of us in a small town in Alberta, one of the areas that I actually visited for um, with my colleague previously, where I got all that experience uh, information for the RCMP. I, I wanted to set a book there. Another one is um, sort of like a romantic suspense. It's about a bounty hunter. Uh, that one's pretty cool. That one is one of the ones I'm focusing on the most right now. And then there's another one um, that's about, so my sister is a sommelier, and I've learned a lot about wine and everything like that from her. So another one is set in Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is our wine region, uh, the best wine region here in Ontario. 
uh, and it follows a, a young sommelier who's lost her partner and sort of her journey back into finding herself, finding her business, finding her place and finding love. So those are the books I'm mostly focusing on right now. How do you keep track of all the different storylines? Is it is it easy, difficult? Is it just how you write that? It's really hard, <laughs> whatever I decide. So I'm not someone who can just pick up a, a manuscript and write in it for 20 minutes and then run out the door. It's like, okay, where was I? Who's this character? Like, honestly, the first day of me writing is reading what I've written before because I cannot remember um, and I'm always surprised by something a character does or says. And I'm like, oh, right, I forgot that character felt that way or something like that. So, Do you have one closer to completion than the others? Or is there one that's going to be published? Uh, the one that I'll probably finish soonest is going to be the, I would guess, either the Bounty Hunter book or the young adult that takes place in Alberta, and that one, by the way, is has a, a character from Rescue Me. Cool. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, so I've kind of got back in time a little bit with that one, and so the character that you'll that you, me, the reader, will be following um, is an adult in Rescue Me, but I go back to her adolescence. She's about mm -hmm. 20, 19, 20 when the book starts. Okay. Uh, you said you you got a, a book in Alberta, some in Ontario. Um, is it like a must-have for you, a, a setting in Canada? Is it no. It depends. It depends okay. on it depends on who the characters are. So, like this book that I'm writing that takes place in Victorian Toronto. Some of that book's actually also going to take place in Victorian London. Um, so I've actually done a ton of research and it just so happens my characters are going to be going there at the time of Jack the Ripper. So I've done a lot of research into that because what I love doing is if I'm setting something not in the present day, connecting it with familiar surroundings of the past and just sort of showing how it interwove into that timeline that we all know so well, you know, like putting, insinuating a character into a real part of history is really, like really cool for me. Um, so I've done, I have a binder like this thick of research for that book on Victorian Toronto and Victorian London and all the neighborhoods. So I'm, that one's going to be like in and around Whitechapel, which was the area the murders were happening. And it also happened to be one of the Jewish areas at the time. And I'm Jewish. So that's, that's actually a, a subplot of that book, um, is Judaism and what was happening at the time for Jewish people in the 1800s, both in Canada and in Europe, specifically in England. Uh, so it doesn't have to be set in Canada, but the book about the bounty hunter actually is in the States. So I had it originally in Canada, and then I was like, no, it's not Canada. This doesn't take place here. So I, I moved it because it just didn't feel right. When you write, can you write anywhere, or do you do you need to create an, a writing environment? And do you like music? What, what do you do? Do you, do you just write? I can write anywhere. The, the best for me, actually, um, I used to have a, this really long commute to my job for work. It was like an hour, hour and a half. So I would just listen to music and then ideas would come to me and I would take my phone out and I would just start dictating into my phone. I, I wrote half of the space between in the car, um, just dictating. I actually got the idea dry. I was listening to a song. 
and the whole plot unfolded and I just started dictating into my phone and that was basically all the space between almost got written into my phone and then I would go I would take it I would email the notes to myself and then put them into scenes so driving is huge inspiration for me but I can be out at a bar or a restaurant somewhere I used to ask for napkins and a pen or a receipt and I would start writing luckily now you know we, we have these so I can just make notes anywhere I am but no writing for me is like I, I like to feel physically comfortable <laughs> so it's not like I, I don't uh, like to sit at a desk like this it's not the best for me but honestly it's just wherever the ideas come all right and I do a lot of writing in bed just because it's comfortable I lean against the pillows and I do 90% of my editing in bed as well late at night or early in the morning Okay, so you, when you write, you're mainly digital, dictating or using your phone, but you spoke about the binder for research, so yeah. you're, you're like cross-platform, paper, <laughs> digital. I, 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 uh, I wish I had stuff here to show you. It's all in storage, but when I started writing when I was younger, it was in a notebook with a pen. Um, and I never really kicked that habit for notes. So what I usually do is when I'm researching something, I put it all into a couple of documents on my computer and then I'll print them up or I'll print up articles that I find on something that I know I'm not going to find again. And then I highlight and I make notes and then I make timelines um, depending on the book. So like I said, Rescue Me didn't have a timeline. Uh, Space Between was purely just me writing out sort of memories of my childhood and fictionalizing parts of it. So that required no research whatsoever. Uh, but some of these other books like this mystery in, in Victorian, like that's why the book is this big because I'm printing and I'm making notes and I'm making timelines and it's really convoluted. So I'm like, oh, when was electricity, you know, invented? It's like there's so much research. So I have to create all these timelines and I do all that by hand. Something that I've used in the past is uh, just recently is something called Mural, which is like an online sticky note, movable idea sharing tool. And I looked at it and I thought for a second, would this be good for my writing? But as I realized like it's too scrambled, uh, what I tend to do is I take a Word document and I just cut and paste, cut and paste, cut and paste. And usually when I'm writing, I'll have chapter one, chapter two. So I'm like using the headings on the side and then I have a heading, um, It usually just says book notes or ideas or plot. And then I stick it right at the bottom of the manuscript. So as I'm writing down, I then go down, grab chunks and stick them in, grab chunks and stick them in. Um, so I sometimes have a like accompanying document that has character sketches and stuff like that, that I don't, if I need to make those that I don't want in the main plot, but any ideas, lines that I come up with that I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I know it's going to be in the book later that just gets stuck down. And then sometimes when I can't think of what to write next, I'll scroll down and I'll grab a piece and put it in. It's, it's, it's an easy way to like keep writing when it's just all together. Uh, are you a, a private writer? Like, do you share your work with your partner or someone else while you're writing or do you wait for the first draft to be finished? So it honestly, it really depends. Um, I usually send it to my best friend And I say, don't say anything bad. I just want to hear, you know, because the second somebody says something constructive, um, if you're too early and you haven't stuck with it yet, you're just like, ah, oh, forget it. It's garbage. And uh, like, I don't want to do, I know how I'll react and I don't want to do that. So I usually just send something and say, you know, do you like it? Is it working? What do you think of this character? 
Um, and then my partner as well, I'll talk through plots with her. But a lot of the time, a lot of what I write has not a mystery, but like unexpected things will happen. And I'd rather get her genuine reaction when she reads it to talking it through with her. So it's, it's very careful. A lot of it I have to keep to myself because I want to surprise everyone. Um, but the parts that I can or when I'm struggling, then I'll, I'll talk it through with my partner or my best friend and sometimes my sister as well. When I used to write before I was a published author, it was mostly writing for me, right? Because only I had read my stuff or like my friend, my sister, and they were obviously going to be super encouraging, right? But once you've gone through the act of publishing, so you've dealt with several editors, um, and not just that, it's reviews, right? Like, I'm going to tell you, if you write a review on an author, the person most likely to read that review is the author. So you, you try to read it with a thick skin and try to take the constructive parts and push aside stuff that you think is not so constructive and take the compliments. But when you go to write, for me anyways, it's no longer me inside my head. It's like 15 voices. There's my editor, there's the publisher. Are, are, are they going to say that this is too, you know, like I, it's not hitting a wide enough audience or it's too niche of a category. Um, this doesn't sell as well as that. Because once you start to publish, you start to learn that which books are more, more geared to a wider audience, which what's going to sell better, what's hot at the time. Um, so there's just so many voices in my head that it's really, really hard to get a first draft done anymore um, because I I definitely struggle with turning those voices off. So if somebody says that, yeah, I turn the, like you have to, you absolutely have to, you, you'll never finish anything again. It's, it's, it's a struggle for sure. You've said, um, is it too niche? Uh, would it sell well? Is it something that's daunting for you now? to be sure your next book will sell so that's i think that's the struggle that almost every creative person has is how much do i want to write for me and how much do i want to write because i know it'll be successful right um so i think there's a lot of people who just write the same book over and over and over again and swap out the character names because they know that that's going to sell for them now they have such a big following Um, and that, not that there's anything wrong with that way of writing, but I think that that would be pretty, I, it would feel pretty stifling for a writer not to be able to be creative anymore to sort of have to follow a formula. Um, and I'm not a formulaic writer. So for me, I think about, is this going to sell, but it's more about, will somebody publish this? Um, how well it sells isn't as important to me. Like, obviously, I'm not going to lie. I want to sell books, right? I want people to read them. But I remember before I published, my goal was, I said to myself, if one of my books ever touches someone who I'll never meet and I'll never know, but they pick it up and it helps them, I will consider that I was a successful writer. Whether or not I ever sell a hundred or a thousand or a million books and, um, I can tell you with the space between, I still regularly get messages and emails from people all over the world, which is amazing. I've had letters from people in India, Africa, all over Asia, um, some of them telling me that it's illegal to be gay where they are, or they can't, um, they can never be open with a secret relationship that they have, but please keep writing because these books help us. I've had someone tell me that my book made them a better person. Someone told me my book saved their life. 
um, just all, all these kinds of things. So as far as when I'm thinking about writing, I try to think about that, that that's what matters most, because really it does. I mean, if you can change someone's life, it doesn't really matter how many books you sell. Can you tell us something quirky about yourself or maybe a hobby that readers might not know? Okay. Um, well, I told you I collect books and that's not really that exciting. I really like uh, axe throwing and stuff like that. So I really love reading about um, sort of ancient times, ancient civilization, medieval times, and I'm a big fan of martial arts. So, and so is my partner. So in our spare time, we kind of go and we buy like cool axes and daggers and swords and martial arts equipment and stuff like that. And then we play with it. Cool. <laughs> okay. I need to see that collection one day. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, the only thing I have here, because we didn't, we've still been doing it at the hotel. Like I'm looking here at six daggers and I know over there I have an axe and a dagger. Um, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> The, the cleaning crew isn't scared of your crew. They don't, they don't come in. They don't come in. It's COVID. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> they were to come in, believe me, we would hide them. <laughs> do you have a room dedicated to all your different equipment, like all the axes and the daggers? Or do, do you so have... we were building that at our old house before we sold it. And part of our plans for when we were buying a new house was that we absolutely had to have a space for that. So yes, we are going to have a, a room like that, and it's going to be very cool and to others possibly very scary, but <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun for us. Do you have any advice for new writers? Oh, that's such a big question. Um, it would depend what they were looking for, but it, it would probably go back to something I said before, which is... I really think that every writer needs to try to write for themselves because if you're trying to write to get famous or you're trying to write to make money or you're trying to write to please people, even your friends who are giving you advice, you can't please everybody. Your story is going to be disjointed and it's not going to have any heart. So I think that you need to write for yourself and hope that that will eventually sell, especially because if you are not being genuine and you are successful, what's your next book going to be? It's a whole life of trying to write for others um so i would say read a ton you don't know what you're picking up when you're reading but the more you immerse yourself in a language and in reading and writing the easier it is to write because the the words are right there all the time when you're reading and i would say try to write whenever you can often it becomes something that we put aside because everything else seems to be more urgent um, but writing, if you have that inspiration, should be the, what's most important. And I also think I need to take my advice in this because um, I haven't finished a book in a long time. But my advice would be read, write, and don't listen to anybody else. I was lucky to have a lot of encouragement and always be told that I was going to be a successful writer. But a lot of people, there's a lot of stories for people who are creative that are told not to follow that passion, um, to do something that's more nine to five or whatever it is and i think that there's so many stories out there that never get told because of that so i would say follow your passion did uh, the covid help or hurt your writing did it give you more time or the stressful period just suck your way to creativity so i actually ended up being busier during covid than i've basically ever been um so i haven't i i am not one of those people that 
suddenly got 15 extra free hours a day or even a week to start indulging in new hobbies or anything like that. Um, it, it worked the opposite for me. So it's actually been, I've been writing very, very, very little and COVID did not help <laughs> with that. So, but I am hoping that moving into into Quebec and into all the nature and everything like that will sort of free up some of my mind and that I'll be able to get back to writing because it's something that I definitely miss. If you uh, agree, uh, I'm going to read you some uh, this or that. So I'm going to put you two or three things together uh, and you just pick the one that makes the more sense for you. Okay. This or that, music or silence? It depends, but mostly music, I guess. Okay. Cocktail or mocktail? Cocktail. Day or night? Night. Friends, family, or lover? Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble no matter what I say if people watch this. <laughs> Let's go with uh, my partner. Okay. A club, bar, or restaurant? Restaurant. Socks or blankets? Blankets. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Hot or cold? Hot. Snow or ice? Oh, snow. That's good for me. <laughs> Thank you very much for today, Michelle. We really enjoyed talking to you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it was time. very nice. And if you ever yeah. come, uh, if you ever come down my neck of the wood, maybe for the hot air balloon festival or anything, you've got a room set up. All right, awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, you know, and if you want to go skiing in Trombois. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have any parting words for your readers? Uh, just to stick with me because I will be publishing again. I just need to finish a few things off here and then I'll have some new books out. And also to anyone that has written me a letter or sent me a message or anything like that, I want you to know that I appreciate it more than you can ever know. And that's why I write back to every single person who writes to me. It honestly means the world to me every time I get anything like that. And for those who have made fan art and sent me pictures of it, I just, I absolutely love that stuff. And so I just want to thank everyone for taking time to reach out to me because I truly appreciate it.